It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. Britain's version of Medicare for All is struggling with long waits for care. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks, dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation. This is Kim Munson with the Americhicks, and it is Friday. And uh, so it's going to be a beautiful day here in Colorado. And uh, we've got a big plan, a show planned for you again today. We'll go through some headlines. Thrilled to have in studio as my guest, Amira Dude, Dr. Stephen Kessler. Welcome, Steve. Thanks, Kim. Thanks for having me on the show. And uh, thank you, Steve, in the producer's booth. You're, that's for sure. Thank you to Steve, to Zach, to Patty, and to Keith that keeps this train on the track. Greatly appreciate it. So uh, we're going to jump in here with some headlines. Um, but before we do that, <clears throat> our little uh, quote for ins- it's, it's uh, tonight, the Avalanche are in the second round on their um, quest for the Stanley Cup. And so I've, I love hockey humor. I love, I love hockey quotes. So Ray Bork, you know, you probably remember he's one of the best NHL defensemen to ever play the game. And after 22 seasons with the Boston Bruins, he thought something was missing, and that was the Stanley Cup. So in March of 2000, he was traded to the Avalanche to help us win the Stanley Cup. They fell short that year, but the next year, he decided to give it one more season, and the next year, the Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. So this is what he said. This is our inspirational quote for today. Ray Bork said, Goals live on the other side of obstacles and challenges. Be relentless in pursuit of those goals, especially in the face of obstacles. Along the way, make no excuses and place no blame. And that is Ray Bork, um, fabulous NHL defenseman. And so a little hockey humor. Are you ready for this, Producer Steve and Steve Kessler? Oh, yeah. Okay. Hold on to your hat, Steve. Here it comes. (laughs) Okay. Goaltender John Van Beesbroek asked if he liked facing 51 shots on goal. He says, yes, and I also like jumping out of tall buildings. (laughs) Herb Brooks asked about coaching the Minnesota North Stars in the 87-88 season when they finished 19-48-13. He said, I don't know whether to call NHL Central Scouting or the FBI and file a missing persons report. (laughs) And then Hockey Hall of Famer Gump Worsley on the art of goaltending. The only worst job is a javelin catcher at a track and field meet. And there you have it. Hi, oh. Hi. We're going to jump into some headlines. Um, my gosh, there is so much going on out there. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the state. Um, I've been following this whole story regarding the uh, LEVs, which is the low emission vehicles. And the ZEVs, which are the zero-emission vehicles. Now, Governor Hickenlooper, before he left office, issued an executive order regarding LEVs. And then shortly after Governor Polis got into, uh, was sworn into office, he issued an executive order on ZEVs. Well, Michael Sandoval, through an open records request, received, received, realized that there were emails between two of Colorado's top health officials, including Jill Ryan, who is the new executive director of the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, 
outlining a series of meetings with state agency staff to discuss potential policy issues, beginning with suggestions forwarded by a climate action group that Ryan was the president of before she was taking her state position. And that group's name is the Colorado Communities for Climate Action. And this included emails that states that Ryan was forwarding a document from uh, CC4CA that that included actions that the, there's all these letters, but the Colorado Department of uh, Public Health and Environment could undertake that would make a meaningful difference. Reading the list, this is exactly what took place over the last few months. The first item on the list came from an effort by Wild Earth Guardians in late 2018 to encourage CDPHE to move to not move forward with an extension requested by former Governor John Hickenlooper's administration to have the EPA not include out-of-state and foreign emissions in its consideration for the Front Range's non-attainment status on ground-level ozone. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to stop right there on that. And you all may remember that I had former Jefferson County Commissioner Tina Francone on recently, and we talked about what this really meant for Colorado. And Colorado, because we're up, well, Denver, because we're up against the mountains, you know, we get all kinds of air that kind of sticks here. And the air that we're measuring isn't just Colorado's air. You know, when there were the fires in California, we had all that coming in. And air is fungible. Uh, We actually are probably getting air from China. And China, uh, in their effort to uh, increase the standard of living of their people there in, in China, they're, they're burning non-clean coal. We have clean coal here. So that air is getting here, and we're going to get dinged for that. And we can see that Governor, uh, Governor Polis's head of the uh, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment is basically been talking to some of these really far-left radical environmental groups. Steve, you got a comment? Yeah, I just wanted to make a quick point. Um, this is called an externality. There's positive and negative externalities. And they're basically unintended consequences that third parties didn't bargain for. You know, there's producer and consumer over in China. There was environmental policies that lapsed in California that caused the wildfires. And now we here in Colorado are, you know, a third party who didn't bargain for exchange in any of these things. And that's called a negative externality. There's positive externalities where, you know, I don't know, maybe they find some use for a new medication that they they didn't intend to do. But that's basically the concept that we're dealing with. So what has happened, uh, Steve Kessler, is that uh, we could ask for waivers on these attainment of our air. And Governor Polis has said, no, we're not going to ask for those waivers. He wants to use that particular measurement and then they are going to institute policies. And ultimately what they're trying to do is they're trying to get people out of their personal vehicles. And that's not government's role. You know, and people, the, the freedom of mobility, the freedom of people to be able to go where they want to, when they want to, in the vehicle of their choice, is one of the things that has contributed significantly to the prosperity, economic well-being, and well-being of everyday, hardworking uh, Coloradans and Americans. So there's... There's something here that, and, and I think the important thing that we're talking about is, is uh, Governor Polis and, and his, the people that he's appointing, they're basically in bed with all of these far-left radical groups that want to get people out of their cars. Mm-hmm. And so these people mean well, but they uh, don't you know necessarily... Oh. You know what? I'm going to challenge you on that. Okay. Because uh, 
I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said, we cannot give that they mean well or they have good intentions because I don't think they do have good intentions. I think their intentions, I think they're hiding behind saying we want clean air, and we do. We want to be good stewards of our earth. Mm-hmm. However, their intentions are not really to um, uh, you know, clean up the air. Their intentions are to uh, gain power and stomp on the rights of uh, – not the rights, the opportunity – of everyday individuals to be able to move around the way they want to. So their intentions are not, I don't think they are good. Okay, so I, I, I'll take that one back. Okay, And great. I will concede that I don't, I don't know who these people are. I'm just kind of a guest here. But one of the questions I've learned to always ask is, you felt good, but did you do good? And that's ah, about results. We're asking okay. about the results. You know, it feels good to raise the price of minimum wage at fast food. But did you actually do good? Did people get fired? It feels good, good point. to get people out of their cars and to do these things. But did you actually end up doing good? And it's about measurements, much less than about the gesture. And um, I actually want to read a quote from Edmund Burke. Okay. Edmund Burke is the original conservative. He, um, he was actually really known as the, the first conservative. He was an Irish member of British Parliament who lived and died in the 1700s. And this is something he said in 1782. It is in the power of government to prevent much evil. It can do very little positive good in this or perhaps in anything else. And what he means by that is that it's very challenging. You know, we have all these intentions and thoughts, but we often have unintended and unpredicted consequences. And so the government shouldn't actively try to enforce and create the good. What it should really do is step back, and sort of let people live their lives, and if something bad begins happening, try to prevent it. Well, and that is what I'm hearing from many, many... Now, you're a millennial. Yes, ma'am. And I am hearing from many millennials, not just millennials, people that are saying, we want to live our lives. We, we just want government to leave us alone and live our lives. And we are out of control right now here in Colorado, which is one of the reasons, Stephen, that we are organizing a Stand for Colorado rally... It is two weeks from today, May 10th. It'll be on the west steps of the Capitol. There will be concurrent um, rallies in Grand Junction on the steps of the old courthouse and also at the IOOF Park in Gunnison. I'm hearing that there's other communities that are starting to think about that they'll be putting together rallies as well. But we like a really big showing right here in the front range, and that is going to be on May 10th. StandforColorado.com. Go to the website. Sign up. We're going to keep you apprised of what is going on because we need to come together to stand for Colorado because we care, we're concerned, and, and we want to make a, a great optic on this because uh, Governor Polis will be at the uh, Denver Chamber luncheon earlier that day touting all of the things that they've been doing uh, down at the State House. And so uh, <laughs> to um, a couple of words that we can use, a lot of people are pretty triggered and offended on what's been going on down at the State House. And so we're going to have an intersectionality of issues. Ooh. We're going to bring people together that have, have, you know, all these different issues. You're going to see people standing side by side that may not agree on everything. Sure. But we're going to have an intersectionality of issues. Producer Steve? When Steve was just reading that quote from Burke, did anything pop into your head, something that we've uh, been doing in the last couple of weeks regarding a certain person book that we were uh, giving away? Oh, Laura Carno? And her book, uh, Government Ruins Nearly Everything. 
The very first thing. As soon as he started reading Burke's quote, it's like, well, that's the title of Laura. That's, that's her book. <laughs> so it's very – I saw – and we're going to be talking about your article that, or your um, op-ed that you recently did regarding abortion. But I, I saw – and I, did you make this word up, Burkean, or um, is that uh, a word uh, – because I know that you really – you know, appreciate Edmund Burke and it's uh, a modifier for Burke, but yeah, you made it up. I love uh, it. No, no, I mean, I've heard it other ways, but okay. yeah. Oh, well, I wish it was yours because I love it. Yeah. Burkean, yes, that's great. Well, my gosh, we only got through the first headline here. We've got so much going on. We try to pack, Stephen, you've been here before, you yes, know, we try, yeah. we try to pack two hours of information into one hour. Mm-hmm. We do our best. So, we're gonna go to break before we do that, though. Uh, it is amazing sports time here in Colorado. Last night, the Nuggets lost to the Spurs, and so they're forcing a Game 7 tomorrow. Jokic was fantastic in the loss. but So hopefully they can put it together so that they can move on. Tonight, the Avalanche are playing the San Jose Sharks. This is Game 1 of their playoff series. The Rockies are on the road. I'm taking them to Atlanta and Milwaukee. And Hooters Restaurants is my sports headquarters. Hooters is the place to watch all the games. Wednesdays are wing days. Uh, that's all the wings you can eat for fourteen ninety nine. The smoked wings are delish. And uh, when I have the girls over on Wednesday nights, they love them. I order them through Grubhub. They come to my front door, and uh, I look like a hero. So you can order your Hooters wings to go. You can uh, stop by and pick them up and take them home. Or you can watch the game there, and there's going to be fabulous games to watch there. So more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com, and let them know that you know the AmeriChicks. We're going to be right back with more headlines. All AmeriChicks sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the AmeriChicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. The mortgage process can be stressful, and with a potential increase in interest rates, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure you are making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-517-7173. With over 30 years of combined experience, Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook of Home Mortgage Alliance have the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financing options available to you. They will remain available seven days a week, and they will always respond quickly to your calls because they pride themselves on their excellent customer service. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance today, 303-517-7173. 303-517-7173. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. As a director with the National Association of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect your private property rights. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped to organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. So call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. That's 303-877-7516. 
Okay, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we're dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation offering a conservatarian perspective. I know you're not sure you like that word, conservatarian. We challenge each other. I love having you in here, though, because we kind of challenge each other, Dr. Ah, Stephen Kessler. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Great to have you here. And be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails, AmeriChicks dot com forward slash Kim. And also, if you are interested in Vino and Veritas, our study of the Federalist Papers, uh, go to com forward slash Vino. And then lastly, stand for Colorado. That is our rally two weeks from today. Be there or be square. You know what? We need to make sure that we and we make a stand uh, and come together. And so go to StandForColorado.com and sign up there as well. We'll keep you apprised of what's going on. I want to very quickly go through some of these headlines that Patty's put together for us because they're important. We talked about the fact that Governor Polis and uh, Jill Ryan, who's the head of uh, CDPHE now, uh, that basically they've been uh, in bed with Wild Earth Guardians, all these really far left people that people that these groups don't like people. I don't think they don't want everyday people to uh, have economic prosperity and well-being. And so they're using this whole air quality thing and actually on uh, Speaking of May 10th, starting at 9 o'clock, that's when they're going to start the hearings on the the uh, rulemaking on all that. And so that's the place I'm going to be on uh, that Friday morning. But they want to control, supposedly, the air in Colorado. They're saying the air is so bad here in Denver. But yet there is a report that just came out from the American Lung Association that said that Denver, Denver moved from the 14th worst city to the 12th worst city in the U.S. regarding the brown cloud. But Pueblo Canyon City ranked 7th in the country for clean air. Colorado Springs ranked 13th in the country for clean air. And Grand Junction, 17th in the country for clean air. So they're going to use this excuse of, uh, of what's happening in Denver. Uh, and then they're going to use that to make rules to try to get people out of their cars all over the state of Colorado. Uh, another headline, Colorado lawmakers have okayed a bill to develop a state insurance option. So this is going to be the first uh, the first kind of shot across the bow to try to move us to single payer here in Colorado. The bill was sent to the governor, and it directs the state to develop a health insurance plan to compete with private insurance plans. Can you believe that? And plans offered on Colorado's health exchange. And the intent is to have enrollment begin in 2020 and, uh, or 20, uh, 2021. Then, Xcel Energy is to take over the wind project construction in Colorado. It was approved by the PUC to take over the Cheyenne Ridge wind project, which is valued at a significant amount of money. Xcel is taking it over from Tradewind Energy due to Tradewind's continued delays, and the delays may have affected Xcel's ability to collect federal tax credits for uh, owning the wind project. And uh, so basically, this is going to be a big subsidy to a large corporation, uh, to uh, uh, subsidize uh, wind in here in Colorado. Nationally, you know, we've, we've been talking about this forced, uh, it's, uh, let's see, it's House Bill 1913-12, forced vaccination of our children here in Colorado. We need to, if we look at what's going on in Oregon, we can see things that are going to be coming here. And uh, in Oregon, it's becoming the first state, Steve, you're not going to believe this, producer Steve. And Steve Kessler, Oregon is becoming the first state to mandate universal home visits oh, for that. all families with newborn children. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. Terrifying. It's terrifying, but if you know the history of 
state interventions in the family, it makes perfect sense. Um, family court was not always something that was out there. It was a big part of the French Revolution, and it was passed, and you know, it was an effort to democratize the family, to insert liberty, fraternity, and equality into the family, which was one of the most inequitable institutions. And from that moment forward, the family power began really decreasing, and the state you know, power in the family unit began increasing. But Stephen Kessler, you have <laughs> said that the family is one of the most important foundational blocks. It of, is. It of, is the okay. central unit of life and the foundation of all civilizations. Yeah, that and private property. Yeah. So this is danger, danger. Danger, I, danger, I think. If you really want to destroy civilization, you attack the family unit. Okay. And I tell you, having newborns, I mean, it's having the state come in and, uh, may, oh, I, but this is another thing. Uh, this is from the Beaverson Valley Times in from Oregon. And they interviewed Patrick Allen, the director of the Oregon Health Authority, who reportedly expressed excitement at the prospect of requiring home visits of all new parents, including adoptive parents. And uh, he said, when the program is complete, every new parent, that includes adoptions, would receive a series of two or three visits by someone like a nurse or other health care practitioner. The visits could include basic health screenings for babies, hooking pres- uh, parents up with primary care physicians, linking them to other services, and get this, producer Steve, coordinating the myriad ch- uh, childhood immun- immunizations that babies need. Can you believe that? And uh, then the other uh, uh, headline is the Green New Deal will hit the poor with higher energy costs. So we'll, of course, be breaking these things down in the future. But yesterday, uh, Uncle Joe. Uh, creepy uh, Uncle Joe. Creepy Uncle Joe. He's right behind you. <laughs> Did you see somebody put in, uh, and again, it was, you know, um, Great humor, I guess, but the, his his running slogan is going to be "I feel you now" or something like that. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, creepy Uncle Joe is. Um... One second, it's I'm behind you, America, <laughs> and and it's you know he's he's standing behind the map of America with his arms out. You know, I think that I think that he's toast, and if this is the best that they got, you know, it's going to be it's uh, it's going to be interesting, but. But uh, he announced yesterday that he's going to be running for president. And, uh, oh, my gosh, you even have the T-shirt there. And, uh, and he's doing the, the, the video that, where he announced that he is running for president. All he talks about is racism. Um, Producer Steve, do you have the, that uh, soundbite from uh, Joe Biden? Yes, I do, but I just now wiped it out. So, sorry. <laughs> It's a Friday, but it, sometimes it's a Monday. So, okay, let's just set this up. He did a video, and basically he didn't ha- talk about anything uh, as far as leadership. He didn't talk about anything regarding, um, you, know, what he, you know, what he's going to do at, if he was elected president. All he did was he talked about racism, and he was talking about Donald Trump uh, regarding his comments on Charlottesville. As you may remember, in Charlottesville, uh, they wanted to take down, I think it was uh, Robert E. Lee's uh, statue. And so there was, a, a, you know, there was people that didn't want that to happen. There were people that did. And then there were bad actors on both sides. And so they take Donald Trump's comments out of context, and then they are working 
to create this whole, you know, racist narrative. So let's, uh, do you have uh, President Trump's complete comments on that, Steve? (laughs) Well, we might have that for you on Monday morning. You know, there are days like that. So, you know what, I think that uh, what we'll do is we are going to talk with uh, John Buckingham, who is with uh, Presidential Wealth Management. John, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Well, doing well. And, you know, John, one of the things people look at investments and they think about risk. What do you think about risk? What's your comments to people when you talk to them? Well, one of the things that we look at, you know, Evil Knievel obviously took a lot of risk. Uh, One of his quotes was, you know, risk is good, but not properly managing your risk is a dangerous leap. He was highly successful with the vast majority of his jumps, but the ones that he didn't properly plan for are the ones where he broke a lot of bones. So same thing is with investments. You have to know what type of risk each investment has and how to manage that risk so that your portfolio, your investments don't blow up on you. Well, for sure. And so uh, the same really is true about investments. No matter what level of risk you take, you need to have a plan to manage that risk. And, and people have different risk tolerances. I mean, people are different. So it's important to talk to a professional like you, John Buckingham, to try to gauge kind of, you know, their, you know how they feel about it and then, uh, you know, build something that works for them. I think so. And I think that, you know, there's a misconception out there that there are actually risk-free investments. And while you do have insured products like CDs, even a CD has risk is at risk of inflation being a higher pace than the actual interest rate they pay. So even a CD can lose you purchasing power. It can also lose you principal if you're not earning enough interest to live off of during retirement. So when you're looking at your investments, you have to know what is going to potentially harm your overall portfolio's performance relative to the income you need during retirement or if you need supplemental income while you're still working. And that's the big thing that when you're looking at any type of investment, whether it's insured or not, there's a risk factor in there, and you just have to know what it is and be prepared for it. Well, and speaking of inflation, I remember my dad sitting me down and and explaining inflation and how that can take away buying power. And it's kind of a a hidden thing that people, I, I don't think they always think about that, John. No, I don't think they do. And, and that's where it doesn't seem to show up quickly. But, you know, over time, if you take a look back at what a McDonald's cheeseburger cost back in the 70s and 80s, it was 25 cents. And now what is it? It's a buck. So it doesn't seem like a big jump, but that's a 300% increase over that time frame. And so if you're paying more for that, you don't have as much purchasing power for each individual dollar as you did back in the 70s, 80s. Conversely, you're typically earning more than you did back then, but you know if it doesn't balance, if your income growth doesn't match the inflation growth, you lose the ability to buy goods and services to a degree. And you just have to know what that is. Right. And so it's important to have like professionals like uh, uh, John Yu and, and all the good folks over at Presidential Wealth Management to sit down and take a look at these things. Now, you know, one other thing, and as the baby boomers are getting into retirement age, Social Security is a, a big, can be a major component of people's portfolios. And you guys are doing some uh, Social Security workshops, right? That is correct. So we basically are educating individuals and couples on 
how to take Social Security, when to take it. But it really comes down to each individual situation of how to take it, when to take it, based on what their other investments are going to do and how they're going to provide income at other times. So it's all pieces of the puzzle. And Social Security is a big piece of that puzzle for a lot of people, as you mentioned. Okay, so if people want information about the, uh, those workshops, they can go to chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com, and the information is there. And, uh, you know, knowledge is power, and I think you guys are doing a great job on these workshops. So would highly recommend that people get over there so that you can learn about, you know, learn that from you guys who are professionals. So John Buckingham, thank you so much, and you have a great weekend. My pleasure. You do the same. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, Dr. Stephen Kessler, one, one of my favorite millennials, in studio with me. You are writing, I mean, you're writing for the American Thinker, all different places. And uh, we're going to talk about a piece that you did regarding abortion. Because I think the narrative in, regarding abortion in, in America is changing. And so uh, we'll want to talk about that. So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We'll be right back. You want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Social media is important to the AmeriChicks, since it's an avenue we can utilize to hear from and speak to all of our friends. For those of you who enjoy listening to the show, we'd love to hear what's on your radar. Follow us and talk to us at AmeriChicks Twitter and Facebook pages. Also, if you're a business owner who could benefit from some extra foot traffic from like-minded friends, consider advertising on the AmeriChicks radio show. Contact us at AmeriChicks.com or email Kim at AmeriChicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. Be sure and check out my uh, website, AmeriChicks.com. All kinds of great information there. Sign up for my emails. That's AmeriChicks.com forward slash Kim. And then be there or be square. Two weeks from today is our stand for Colorado Rally. And it will be on the west steps of the Capitol. There's concurrent uh, rallies currently planned in Grand Junction and uh, Gunnison. I think we'll probably have some others that will be jumping in here very, very soon. And go to StandForColorado.com and sign up so that we can keep you informed of everything coming down the pike. We may have some – we're going to basically have speakers on these major issues. But we may have a, a very surprising guest as well. I'll keep you apprised on that. So, okay, Dr. Stephen Kessler. You have done this piece. Let me get the title on it here. It is The Democracy of the Unborn, Thomas Paine's Impact on Abortion. And I've quoted Thomas Paine. You know, he was a bit of a firebrand, if you will. He was, um, you know, one of the patriots. And he's had some really great quotes. And so as I was reading your piece here, I'm kind of like, wait a minute. And so several things. You know, we've had uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. He he basically said that regarding abortion, if a baby is born, they're going to keep it comfortable until they decide what to do with it. I'm like, honestly. And then, of course, Governor Cuomo, Cuomo in New York 
after they passed this late-term abortion legislation, you know, they, uh, they were celebrating that. And I don't know if a lot of people know it, but here in Colorado, we also have late-term abortions here. And now we have the movie Unplanned. Have you seen that yet by any chance? I have not. I saw it just recently, and it's powerful. It's about Abby Johnson, who was um, a clinic director for Planned Parenthood. And um, finally, at some point in time, I, I don't want to give the movie away, but she, she quit. So there's a big narrative going on in America right now regarding abortion. This piece that you've done, The Democracy of the Unborn, Thomas Paine's Impact on Abortion, explain it. Sure. So one of the pillars of liberalism is the language of rights. To the liberal, everything is a right. If you pay attention to the rhetoric of Bernie Sanders, we have the right to free health care, the right to free college, and we even have the right to free Wi-Fi. And, you know, if you really pay attention to liberals, everything is a right to them. The source of that is Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine, the Declaration of the Rights of Man, uh, 1790, maybe 1791, that was really the, he really launched that philosophy. While the majority of liberalism comes from Jean Rousseau, Mm -hmm. Paine is really responsible for the language of rights. That's his main contribution. So it's it's really peculiar that the pro-abortionists have this thing called personhood. Personhood is defined as um, the status a fetus receives... After a fetus becomes, and I'm using air quotes here, viable, meaning able to survive outside the womb or after birth, not at conception. And that seems kind of peculiar that for some reason these people don't have rights. These unborn babies don't have rights despite the fact that they're people. You know, Mm -hmm. we have the right to free health care, you know, criminals, illegal aliens, all kinds of people. Everyone under the sun seems to have rights. And yet for some reason, these people, you know, the unborn fetuses don't have rights. And so I made the connection to something Thomas Paine invalidated in the popular, you know, zeitgeist, the popular culture. And that's this notion that the dead, as well as the unborn, are as much a part of civilization as the living. That's called the democracy of the dead, something G.K. Chesterton once said. Um, So here's Paine's quote. I am contending for the rights of the living and against their being willed away and controlled and contracted for by the manuscript assumed authority of the dead and mr burke is contending for the authority of the dead over the rights and freedom of the living and the mr burke he's referencing is obviously none other than the right honorable edmund burke so what Paine is saying is he wants to get rid of the notion that the dead are a part of civilization because the dead should have no authority over the lives of the living tradition custom prescription things that traditions are you know basically being forced on us. Paine wants to get rid of all of that from the past, and he lives in the present. And so Burke, and this was really a reference to a passage Burke said in Reflections on the Revolution in France, and this is just Burke at his absolute best, beautiful, brilliant passage. And here it is. Society is indeed a contract. It is to be looked on with reverence, because it is not a partnership in things subservient only to the gross animal existence of a temporary and perishable nature. It is a partnership in all science, a partnership in all art, 
a partnership in every virtue and in all perfection. As the ends of such a partnership cannot be obtained in many generations, it becomes a partnership not only between those who are living, but between those who are living, those who are dead, and those who are to be born. Wow. And so that's this notion of the democracy of the dead, the contract eternal of society, and that Burke believes that the dead have rights as well as the unborn. And so the importance of having the unborn in our lives is something Roger Scruton, for those of you that don't know who he is, Roger Scruton is a philosophy professor at Cambridge University, and he is an absolutely brilliant man. He's currently alive, thank God, and he is England's chief intellectual conservative statesman. Everybody should invest in following Roger Scruton on Facebook. How do you spell that? S-C-R-U-T-O-N. Okay. Sir Roger Scruton. And so Roger Scruton, who was a spiritual heir to Burke, who is a spiritual heir to Burke, understood this relationship of the importance of having the dead in our lives, in our minds. Now, just a question, because, you know, when we say, you know, the rights of the dead, I mean, it's kind of initially, I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of morbid to me. But is it also, I mean, can you also say the, the rights of the dead, it, would that also be history? I mean, how, how does that match up? It's history, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, all, it's this notion that we are dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants oh. and that nothing we have in the present is our own. Everything we have is because of those who have brought us to the present situation. We can only see as far as we can see because of those who have come before us. And I want to read Scruton's quote because he says it better than I did. The dead and the unborn are as much members of society as the living. To dishonor the dead is to reject the relation on which society is built, the relation of obligation between generations. Those who have lost respect for their dead have ceased to be trustees of their inheritance. Inevitably, therefore, they lose the sense of obligation to the unborn, and the web of obligation shrinks to the present tense. Okay, I have a question for you. Be, uh, you know, we were just mentioning in the last segment about Charlottesville and taking down this statue of Robert E. Lee. That's Marxism. Well, okay, and even though you may disagree, you know, the Civil War, Robert E. Lee was, you know, the general for the South. But taking it down, we no longer then have this conversation about the whole context of what was going on. And um, so is that another thing that you're talking about is, like, what's happening in Charlottesville? I know that in Lee Park in Dallas, they've taken down the statue of Robert E. Lee. I mean, is, is that one of the things that you're alluding to, Stephen Kessler? Uh, to a certain extent, it's this notion that these people, because they're not here, then they're not here. Because they are not physically present, then they do not exist in the present tense. And so they just, you know, get rid of them and it becomes me, 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 now, now, now. The notion of living for oneself, the distinguishing characteristics between living for yourself and living for no one at all, vanish in a matter of heartbeats. And it's basically the equivalent of just leaving your trash wherever you feel like for the next person to deal with. So we're seeing a lot of that these days, though, of, of not appreciating history. And then the fact regarding abortion, you know, since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was passed, uh, or not passed, was um, a Supreme Court ruling on that, we have, estimates are we have aborted anywhere from 
60 million plus little children. Sure. And, you know, certainly there is the outliers. There, there's, And the outliers are what they bring forward in the abortion uh, conversation, you know, uh, health of the mother or blah, 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 blah. But there's no way that those outliers are 60 million abortions. And when no, you look no, at, no. at this whole Planned Parenthood narrative... Plus the racism of Margaret Sanger, the Negro Project, and the contributions, you know, the whole thrust of the, the Negro Project in Planned Parenthood was to ethnically cleanse our country of the black population. That's why there were so many of these abortion clinics and, you know, um, birth control clinics in urban areas. Well, and, and it's still the case. Oh, yeah, Many, many of Planned Parenthood um, and abortion clinics are in um, predominantly black neighborhoods. And Margaret Sanger's journals, you know, her scholarly journals on the eugenics and, uh, you know, birth control-related issues were some of the favorite places of Adolf Hitler's scientists to publish. And that this woman not only was a world-class bigot, but she influenced, directly influenced Hitler and the Nazis. I mean, that's who these people are. And that when you divorce the context of racism and ethnic cleansing from abortion, it becomes a totally different conversation when we keep this in mind, that that's really what you're doing. You are participating in ethnic cleansing and racism. But I, I just want to, before we go to a commercial, I really just want to tie this back together. Thomas Paine says the dead... They're not a part of civilization anymore, only the living. And what Scruton was saying is that these people, when they're no longer in our minds, we no longer see ourselves as trustees to an inheritance. The idea that we're Mm -hmm. dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants. And that means the obligations we have to the unborn are no longer in our minds either. And so that's why this whole notion of personhood for the pro-abortionist, that's how it really all ties together. They say that the unborn don't have rights, and that's because of Thomas Paine. By, not, by denouncing the dead, the web of obligations linking the dead, the living, and the unborn vanishes. That is absolutely fascinating. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's go to break. Okay, sure, okay. And continue this conversation. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. One of our listeners just called in. I've been talking about the Stanford Colorado rally and not telling you the time. So it's from 4 to 5.30 on the west steps of the Capitol here in Denver. Same time over in Grand Junction, same time in Gunnison. So 4 to 5.30. The, and, uh, okay, and no whining. Okay, no whining. People are like, oh, I don't want to go downtown. Their parking's awful. It's rush hour. You know, Stephen, we're talking about history. And one of the other things that I do is my World War II project. I've interviewed oh, yeah, yeah, over really 100 like World War II veterans. And I've used the term as well. We stand on the shoulders of giants. And when you think about those guys getting in that landing craft, uh, the 75th anniversary of D-Day is this June. When you think about those guys getting in those landing craft to go onto the beaches of Normandy, and then you start whining about driving downtown or getting downtown for a rally to stand for Colorado, uh, my friend Christy, she's like, okay, Kim, that kind of puts that in perspective. So you need to be there or be square. We're doing this on the 10th because that is the day that Governor Polis will be touting all of the accomplishments in air quotes, of this particular uh, 
legislative session. So StanfordColorado.com, get more information. We actually have a number of the important issues there. We'll be adding to that as we have um, one more week of this legislative session. We'll be adding those in with the bill numbers so that you can actually read that. So that is going to be from 4 to 5.30 on the west steps of the Capitol here and then also in Grand Junction and in Gunnison. And stay tuned for more locations. Uh, So we're going to go to break. Uh, talking with uh, one of my favorite guys, millennial Dr. Stephen Kessler, my guest Ameridude. We'll be right back. Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich and Company help your business plan ahead financially. The Americhicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich and Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for next year's tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich and Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Come join the 88 Drive-In this weekend for opening day of Avengers Endgame. Starting April 26th, features will include Avengers Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Shazam. Box office opens at 6 p.m. Friday. Get here early and be among the first to see this highly anticipated movie. We're now open seven days a week. Admission is only $9 per person and children under 12 are free. For more information, go to our Facebook page or visit our website at 88drivein.net. Don't miss Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth, a study of the Federalist Papers. Join Kim Munson with the Americhicks at Water's Edge Winery in Centennial or Colorado Cork and Keg in Castle Rock. And coming soon, Vino and Veritas in Northern Colorado. Know why you believe what you believe and be able to have conversations with friends, family, and colleagues. The Americhicks with Kim Munson would like to thank Bullets Both Ways in Centennial and Auto Fireguard in Castle Rock for sponsoring this fascinating study of the U.S. Constitution. Sign up today at Americhicks.com. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation Offering you a conservatarian perspective, and be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. Sign up for my emails, and then also check out standforcolorado.com and sign up for the emails there as well so we can keep you apprised of everything. Just so jazzed to have uh, Dr. Stephen Kessler, one of my favorite millennials in studio. Before we get back to this whole conversation about Thomas Paine and rights and Edmund Burke, Wall Street Journal, this just came across the wire here. The U.S. economy grew at a 3.2% rate in the first quarter. Stephen, this uh, Democrat Congress that we are, have now is doing everything they can to try to get this economy slowed down because they know that people look at their own personal economic well-being, and if people are doing well, they're going to say, wait a minute, who's the guy that's doing that? Who's the guy Who's the guy in the Oval Office that's doing that? It's President Trump. And do you remember when Obama said that the new normal was like one, one and a half percent? And Trump comes in and within two and a half years, we're at 3.2 percent. And I, I, I really, I, I believe that if in fact uh, he can, you know, get Congress to, to start to put in, you know, 
continue to reduce regulations, reduce taxes, and we've got to get some spending re- reduced as well. This economy is going to take off, and uh, the Dems don't want that to happen. Yeah, it's actually pretty sad. When Bill Clinton, when George H. Bush lost the election to Bill Clinton, he left him a note in the Oval Office where he said something along the lines of, I still get chills sitting here in this office. And he ended with, he ended it with, we're rooting for you. If you fail, we all fail. And so this notion of rooting for Trump to fail means we're all going to fail. And, you know, Trump, if you really want to understand how Trump has really spurred the economy on, I would really recommend two books by a guy named Brian Dimitrovic, who's been on oh, this yes, show a couple yeah, of times. Oh, yeah, good friend of ours. Brian was uh, the visiting scholar at CU Boulder. He's a professor, uh, economic historian at Sam Houston State in Texas. Uh, one is Econoclasts, The Rebels Who Sparked the Supply-Side Revolution, and the other is JFK and the Reagan Revolution, The Secret History, History of American Prosperity. And Brian is all about this notion of shrinking the government, getting rid of regulations, and making it easier for the businesses to, to compete in the world, and you'll advance the economy. Well, and we were talking to Jason McBride with Presidential Wealth Management yesterday about Social Security. And if, in fact, you increase the economy, the number of workers, then that is a way that you increase payroll taxes, which helps make Social Security and Medicare financially healthy again. And so it makes a lot of sense. But anyway, let's jump back over here. We're talking about this piece that you did, Steve Kessler, The Democracy of the Unborn, Thomas Paine's Impact on Abortion. And, I, I mean, you're really making me think here. And that, first of all, is this published yet? Uh, it's under review. It's under review. Okay. Um, you're talking about Thomas Paine and rights. You know, I hear Thomas Paine and I think this great patriot. But you say he's really more along the line of Rousseau than Burke. Oh, yeah. No, no, yeah. Paine... Pain definitely influenced the Founding Fathers, that's for certain. But uh, I would recommend Yuval Levin's book, The Great Debate. And it's about Burke on the right and Paine on the left. He thinks that Paine is the origin of liberalism in the left. I, he's a great guy, brilliant guy, super nice, but I disagree with him strongly. I'm a big believer that it's Rousseau way more than Paine. But Paine is definitely a pillar of the left. Okay, so let's explain this whole thing about rights. Why is this, this conversation about rights so dangerous? Sure. So Thomas Paine is the guy that made liberalism have the foundation of rights. So if you define liberalism, it's a devotion to the individual and his or her ever-increasing liberties and freedoms. The three pillars of liberalism are equity. You know, they want people and things to be equal and believe people are equals. Autonomy, meaning the freedom to choose. And anything that limits their, uh, you know, restrains their choices is immoral to them. And finally, the language of rights. Thomas Paine's contribution to liberalism. Pay attention to Bernie Sanders. Everything is a right. So the op- so conservatives do believe in rights. You know, we have it's the kind of like I, in some ways, I kind of, you know, I, I believe in equity, but I believe in opportunity. You know, we want equal opportunity, not equal results, and we have to accept the fact. That if we believe the family unit is the central unit of life, as the conservatives do, we believe that the family is either consciously or subconsciously, unconsciously, the, you know, the basis for all things. And when you, when you think about the family, the family is inequitable. It's hierarchical. You know, mom and dad up here, kid way down here. But I'm digressing. So the conservatives do, in fact, believe in rights, but we believe in the opposite of a right, first and foremost, 
And the opposite of a right, do you know? Duty? It's a duty, that's right. Uh-huh. And as Russell Kirk, Burke's most devout disciple in America and the godfather of the American conservative movement once said, every right must be married to a correspondent duty because when rights are divorced from duties, they degrade into vice. We lean on our rights as a crutch, but when there is no correspondent duty, that right denigrates, you know, that crutch denigrates into a rubber one, and it actually gets us into more trouble than had we not leaned on it in the first place. That is so interesting. So, you know, my friend Ben Martin, we had him on to talk about the Federalist Papers, and he says that liberty is freedom with responsibility. That's kind of what I think you're saying. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm going to read, maybe I can read, I've actually read this quote on on uh, on this show before, but Burke's in uh, a letter to a member of the National Assembly in 1791, he was dumping on Rousseau. Burke, Burke thought Rousseau was, quote unquote, the insane Socrates of the National Assembly. So they're contemporaries. This oh, is yeah. all going on. They're contemporaries. Yeah, yeah they're okay. contemporaries. Um, Men are entitled to freedom in proportion to the amount of restraint they are willing to place on their passions and appetites. The less of it there is within, the more of it there must be without. It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds can never be free. Our passions forge our fetters. Okay, there's something that just popped in my mind, and that is the language of the the left is one of of feelings. Feelings, yeah. So basically, this is Rousseau again. Rousseau believed we lived in this state of nature, and that prior to civil society, we lived independently from each other, we lived isolated, and we lived free from the judgments of others. Then all of a sudden, society comes along. Somebody takes private property, and now the division of labor begins. Human beings now need other people, and they have to pretend to be someone they're not. They have to cozy up to people, get them to do stuff, and be their buddies. And that means people live insincerely. They're stunted and forever wearing a mask of insincerity. And Rousseau wanted that insincerity to disappear so he could be free to look inwards, be whoever it is he feels he is on the inside, free of shame and judgments from the opinions of others. We're just about out of time. We've got to have you back. But what you just said here, this freedom of judgment, I remember they used to say that it was Christians, the Judeo-Christian worldview that was judging. But I'm finding that, and certainly there's that component. You get men involved in things and, you know, you can bring that judging in. But I I challenge that in the the pure pure sense of the Judeo-Christian worldview. But talk about judging now. Look at the political correct left. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You know, there's nobody that's going to be pure enough for any of this. Steve Kessler, we're going to have to stop because we're just about out of uh, time. What's just a quick final comment? Uh, yeah, can I give uh, usually like a quote at the end? Yeah. Sure. So, um, excuse me, I'm going to give a quote from the great T.S. Eliot. Okay. What the dead had no speech for when living, they can tell you being dead. The communication of the dead is tongued with fire beyond the language of the living. And I want you to think about the unborn. As I made the relationship between the dead and the unborn, how they're a part of society too. And that instead of thinking about the dead... The communications of the dead being tongued with a fire beyond the language of the living. It's the unborn now that are tongued with a fire beyond any language of the living. Okay, and I have a quote from Carl Sandburg. He was an American um, poet, 
biographer, writer, editor. And he said, a baby is God's opinion that life should go on. Never will a time come when the most marvelous recent invention is as marvelous as a newborn baby. The finest of our precision watches, the most super colossal of our super cargo planes, don't compare with a newborn baby in the number and ingenuity of coils and springs, in the flow and change of chemical solutions, in the timing of devices and interrelated parts that are irreplaceable. That's Carl Sandburg. So this is Kim Munson. Today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice in the American way. Kim Munson signing off. God bless you. And Thanks God a lot, guys. America. Have a great weekend. Great to have you.